I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures, issue 22, that came out June 1994. I'm of two minds about issue 22. I have two diametrically opposed viewpoints. It's a real 50-50 situation going on here. If I'm going to like this one or not, I might need to flip a coin. Jason, where did you come down on issue 22? <laughs> God damn you. God damn. <laughs> I, I do. I love, I, love the, I love the commitment, though. I want everyone yeah. to know he was keeping a straight face, really, really selling it. Yeah, it's a two-face issue. It's a two-face yeah. issue, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really liked it. I didn't like it as much as uh, other Batman adventure issues. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why exactly. I'm sure we can kind of get into it. Maybe, maybe I have in a theory. rambling about it, we'll 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 tease it out. Yeah, I have and, a theory, but uh, yeah. we'll get into it when we get into it. Before yeah. we get into it, Jason, Night's mm. End kicks off in Batman 509, written by Doug Munch and penciled by Mike Manley, which continues in Shadow of the Bat 29, written by Alan Grant and uh, drawn by Brett Blevins, which is continued in Detective Comics 676 by Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, which is continued in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 62 by Chuck Dixon and Ron Wagner, and finally in Robin number 8 by Chuck Dixon and Tom Grummet. There are two intertangled stories going on here. Bruce's story and John Paul's story. I have detangled them, decoupled each piece so we can talk about Bruce's story and then we can talk about John Paul's story. Mainly, this is a way for me to just not be constantly talking <laughs> this whole time because it's a lot of comics. These issues are like 30 pages, 40 pages, some were 50 yeah. pages. Yeah, they were cra they were cramming a lot in there. <laughs> yeah, they're so, they're, they're trying they're trying they're, they're trying to really plow through to like it's sort of like uh, someone saying really fast Bruce Wayne's Batman again. Yeah, you know, like I, just <laughs> I was listening to someone talk about Nightfall, Night's End, Night's Quest, all that stuff, and they were speculating. I don't know if this is true, but they were speculating that editorial was seeing some tanking numbers from Asriel as Batman. <laughs> And they were just like, holy crap, put Bruce back in the suit. We got to go. Go, go, go right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it does. It does seem like an emergency of like, OK, we got to find a motivation for uh, Jean-Paul going nuts and doing more bad shit. And for uh, Bruce Wayne being better, maybe throwing a little Dick Grayson in there. And then yeah, 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 bang, yeah. boom, there you go. Night's end. Bruce is back. OK, so, Jason, I'm going to put the ball in your court. Do you want? All right. Jean-Paul Batman story first, or do you want Bruce Wayne Batman story first? Uh, let's let's get through Jean-Paul's first. I okay. think I think we should just yeah he's he's the opener. Bruce Wayne's the marquee. You know. Okay. Jean-Paul Batman is having a tough time with visions of Saint Dumas, just letting him know that he's just an absolute loser. Jean-Paul is screaming <laughs> at them, taking wild swings at ghosts. Robin watches this on a rooftop. Jean-Paul is yelling, damn the system, leave me alone, and assumes Jean-Paul is doing some sort of, quote, high-speed Tai Chi exercise implanted in him from the system. Because I, I guess I guess Robin is just dumb. I just, I fucking lost it 
at high speed Tai Chi and I had to I had to shut the screen off on my iPad and fucking put it down. Cause like, I just couldn't, I was like, I was like high speed Tai Chi. That's pretty funny. I started trying to read the next page. I'm like, no, no. Okay. No, no hold we on We have a to second. linger there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I needed, I needed a minute after high speed Tai Chi. Once John Paul isn't tormented by phantoms, he tries to take down the gun runners. The gun runners have a large medallion tied to a man named Lee Ha, who is tied to the order of St. Dumas. The head gun running guy found it in a warehouse after his boss, Selkirk, took over the gun running after Lee Hod left. We find out that Lee Ha made the system that is implanted in John Paul. John Paul busts up the gun runners, finds the medallion. He's further tortured by phantoms. He is convinced that Lee Ha is alive and continues to track down the gun runners. He finds some more gun runners, takes them down. No one knows about Lee Ha. He is further tortured by phantoms. He finds some more gun runners, takes them down. No one knows about Liha. He is further tortured by phantoms. Jean-Paul interrogates a gun runner. The gun runner sends him to his hookup, who doesn't know Liha. Says his hookup is named Candy. Jean-Paul leaves him in an abandoned building tied up for the rats to devour. He finds Candy, beats him up, and gets him to give up his, who his hookup is, which is a dead end because Candy's hookup is dead. John Paul is convinced this is the work of Liha. He is further tortured by phantoms. John Paul, unable to do detective work, leans on Candy again for more leads. He gets sent to a Navy Yard, and I guess he's making progress because at the Navy Yard, he's attacked by an attack helicopter. He shoots it down and the explosion wreaths himself in flames. A man in a clunky 90s Iron Man suit comes out of the flames to fight John Paul Batman. John oh, Paul God, knocks him into a crate of grenades and missiles. It sets him on fire. Everything explodes. Selkirk, who is actually running the guns, is like, man, this sucks. John Paul catches up with two low level gun runners after everything explodes, looking for more leads. He continues to be terrible at detective stuff. That is John Paul's story in all five issues. Jason, what did you think of John Paul's story? Uh, um, I don't know. Like I, at, at this point, like, I just think it's kind of funny. Like, honestly, yeah. like it, it, yeah. it, it's just, it's just gotten so silly and he's so clearly is just not liked by the writers. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it felt <laughs> like they had, they have a plan for Bruce Wayne, which we're going to get into. And yeah. like, that seems like a fully fleshed out idea. And then the plan for Azriel is like he just gets yelled at by Saint Dumas and then like tracks down gun runners. And, you know, I've been watching The Wire and in the first season, two characters in The Wire, uh, Herc and Carver, they want to be good police, but they really can't see beyond like, oh, we see a drug dealer and we bust them. We crack heads. That's that's the Western District way, you know, like yeah. that's kind of their mentality. And they don't realize like good police work is a CI getting probable cause, putting putting a wire up, like listening to the conversations, tracking the money, like the actual detective work. Yeah, the boring nature of it. And I feel like John Paul is just like I crack heads on the street and that's as far as I think about it. Well, well, yeah. And I, and I think that like, and, and whether it was, whether it was from editorial at the time or just like, as we've talked about, like again and again of like this, this sort of being like 
uh, uh, more writers trying more serious, like intricate stories. Like it might have been more interesting, actually, without all like the hallucinatory the system yeah. bullshit like it might have been yeah. more interesting if it was just john paul as a human being like no i believe that this like sort of uh nothing but action like works like like if he was just a true right. believer in that instead of like being able to you know because the thing is is that i was thinking about this too all the saint dumas like system shit because i got as we mentioned he's going to get his own uh series after this his own ongoing and like, I think they don't want to make him too unlikable. So like they're leaving like the terrible shit that he does with like an excuse of like, oh, it wasn't him. It was the system. And like he tried to fight as hard against yeah. it as he could, but blah, blah, blah. And it just it just makes it like so much weaker when you when you have that excuse instead of having like a, a fully flawed human being yeah. that just but believes they're doing right. Because that's an actually terrifying thing is somebody right. believes they're doing the right thing, but like is is will do horrible things for that you know you can you start a politician to like, you know and it's yeah you start to like edge into the conversation of like well this person it would be a normal person but these pieces of genetic code made him more aggressive so now he's turned to a life of crime is it his fault or is his is it his genetic code like that kind of like com like future tech like crime bullshit yeah conversation which yeah like you're right it muddles the whole thing like if you just want john paul to just like commit to his actions and do a thing and instead yeah. he's just getting yelled at by ghosts yeah yeah and you can and you can always say like oh well it 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 was the ghost that did it it was you know yeah, like right. I, I i had i had you can't blame little old me i'm just a and it, I was it'd just be a, one thing somehow like it'd be you, one you know. thing if like they Saint Dumas like helped him in some capacity, but yeah. Saint Dumas just pops in and just dunks on him every single fucking time. Yeah, exactly. That you know what that that also might have been you know a Monday morning quarterback here, but like might have been a more interesting thing of if like yeah the ghost of Saint Dumas like helped helped him in his like made him be a better fighter, right? And like right, maybe that's right. why he can take down a whole huge gang of like thirty thugs when he's just angry, or but, like he's like, now. He's like, oh, but he like displeased him. So now he's taking the power away. And there's that that tension. Yeah, yeah. There. And, you know, issue and issues ago, we had St. Dumas and uh, John Paul's father, the previous Azrael, like fighting in his brain. And then St. Yeah. Dumas set Azrael on fire. And that was like the last we heard of him. Yeah. And it would have been nice if we had a little more going on between like angel and devil, like, you know, work the system blah 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 you know like i i just i want more than like it's funny every time saint dumas dunks on him it's hilarious <laughs> yes. don't get me wrong well because well, as as we've as we've established on the show uh jean paul batman is impotent yes <laughs> he's, he's he's terrible <laughs> at detective work totally impotent a sterile individual all the way down all he has is yeah. punching dudes with his knife gauntlet hands that's all yeah. he has yeah, I, I honestly I don't think I'll ever not love that about comic books, especially in the 90s, because like, you know, the 90s, we we all loved gear. You know, we loved yeah. gear on our on our uh, badass heroes and just like how violent the knife hands are is just kind of oh, dependent yeah. on how violent they want to be. Like in one scene, he just completely slashes open a person's face and then the next scene is just like a regular punch in like a fucking UFC I fight or something. <laughs> I don't know if you've enjoyed this through this run, but 
every time John Paul has to do something that requires like a little bit of dexterity, like typing on a keyboard or like he pulled like a note from a crevice in a wall and it's like, <laughs> oh, the knife hands aren't really working for you, buddy. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. kind of a mess. I, I will I will say I will say that, like, I think the saving grace of silly comic books, like comic books that we might not that we talk about that we might not like really enjoy. I think there's only been a few throughout these runs where like there were just some that we were like, oh, this is so bad. Don't read it. But then like there were some sure. we were like, OK, this is really bad, but it's also really fun, R- really fun. Y- yeah. You know, yeah. And like lines like lines like high speed Tai Chi. I'm like. Yeah. Right. They they had they had to know, right? Like they had to know. And like they just wanted Robin to say a dumb thing because it made them laugh. Yeah. And they you know, in reading all these uh Azrael the Azrael portions of these books, three of the five books that we read by were by Chuck Dixon, and I thought Azrael's voice was communicated better in the non Chuck Dixon stuff, Chuck Dixon had him like, I don't know if you noticed this, but he felt chatty in the Chuck Dixon stuff. And in the other stuff, he felt like stoic and quiet. And I was actually, I was hearing Azrael's voice in my head, like digitized and tinny through the armor when I was reading it in the first couple of issues. And then when Chuck Dixon took over, it was just like, He's just a chatty Kathy, like talking and talking. And I was like, eh. Yeah, I think I think Chuck Dixon, that's a good point. I think Chuck, what, now that I think about it for like half a second, I think Chuck, what Chuck Dixon was really going for was like uh, sort of, he saw him as like a Travis Bickle, you know, the taxi driver uh, yeah. sort of character where he's like this, like, you know, he has a sense of justice, but he's also a violent psychopath. You yeah. know, which is so like I I maybe kind of get what he was trying to go for, but I also do agree. It's just like eh, this isn't it just doesn't it doesn't work. But I think that that's maybe what he was what sort he was of thinking for. Yeah. 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 Because that is like really menacing to like it does bring about a point of uh, of menace to it when you have someone who's like insanely rambling and, you know, they're do- yeah. they're also violent, but then they're also like blah 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 the order of this and that and like the dark city and the yeah and i'm like like, dude shut up shut up (laughs) yeah it's like it's like dude you can't get it up okay like maybe maybe care about that maybe that's the central (laughs) issue here and maybe you'll be Uh, happy maybe saint dumas maybe saint dumas is the ghost of uh the last boner he had oh my god jason we cannot publish that we cannot publish (laughs) that idea i'm so i had to say it i i thought it and I had to get it out. I, I know that uh, I trust you that uh, we need to have we need to have a heart to heart about what is pod friendly after this after the show. The podcast police are arriving at your door momentarily, we, Jason. We we record every Saturday for five hours and Nick can only get like 20 minutes of usable content from me. Uh, speak, speaking of good usable content, you want to talk you want to talk Bruce Wayne? The main yeah, focus old, of this, yeah, let's get old Brucey, Brucey in here. We start with Lady Shiva doing what she does best: killing for sport. She wears a bat mask and murders an armless kung fu master. She comes down on him with her knees, which breaks his ribs and stabs his heart. The disciples of the master now want to kill the mysterious person in the bat mask. She gives the mask to Bruce Wayne and tells him the real training starts now. Bruce. 
fights the first and easiest disciple who comes at him armed with chains. Bruce has no idea about a murdered sensei. He barely manages to subdue him rather than killing him and brings him back to Shiva. Bruce is upset about the killing, which Shiva insists is an absolute necessity. Once Bruce leaves, Shiva hangs the first disciple, saying that she is disgusted by him, which kills him. Bruce (laughs) fights the next disciple and hits him with a rock. Bringing him to Shiva, he finds the hung man. Bruce lets the living disciple go and is like, tell your friends about me. He doesn't want to kill. Bruce starts doing shirtless push-ups and makes Robin watch him. Nightwing shows up. <laughs> oh, 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 but what I say about, about the ghost of a boner is, is okay, too let's, much. Okay, Jason, it's please, let's mu- continue. Nightwing shows up. <laughs> they speculate that Leha, the creator of the system that John Paul is programmed with, might be alive. They rehash Azrael's backstory and previous generations to John Paul. Nightwing jokes, you choose him over me, Batman? If I'd known you picked a murderer, my feelings would have been more hurt than they are. But like, it isn't a joke. He's using humor to hide his feelings. He's he's really actually tore up about this. Bruce fights I mean, the next disciple. The coloring goes all straight into paper girls mode. Bruce sees a pile of logs rampaging down at the hill at him, and he manages to dodge in between the bouncing rolling logs, and then he takes down the next disciple. Nightwing and Robin repel into the Batcave. They find Harold and the subway Batmobile in the cave. Nightwing laments, with all these changes, it doesn't even feel like home anymore. Bruce fights the next disciple on a busy highway with cars moving all around them. They fight in the street and then on car rooftops. Shiva watches as Bruce subdues, but does not kill. Bruce gets ambushed later by the next group of disciple assassins. The disciple is a huge dude. Like, huge. Bruce finds himself boxed in, desperate. He does the leopard's blow, pushing the nasal bones from the disciple's nose into his brain, killing him. Nightwing and Robin witness it. They are horrified. Shiva pops in and is like, oh, sick, you totally killed that guy. Nightwing takes a swing at Shiva and immediately regrets it. Shiva takes the bat mask. Bruce's murder training is complete. She leaves after she is gone. The huge guy revives. Bruce didn't kill him after all. This is never explained. Ninja stuff, I guess. Shiva mops up the rest of the disciples, murdering them all. Nightwing and Robin start a plan to how to take down John Paul. Bruce is in the cave with them, in shadow, finally feeling like Batman. He says, let's get to work. Bane wakes up from a catatonic state in Blackgate Prison. He mumbles to himself after having a vision where he's surrounded by bats. He has returned. Bruce finished Shiva's training. He is able to take the leap from the building and grapple across the city. His senses are honed. His body is ready. He is back. Finally, Bruce is dressed as Batman again. The battle for the mantle starts now. Jason, what did you think of Bruce's story? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a fuck of a lot more than I enjoyed Azrael's. But before I... I, I how excited were you when you came up with the uh, paper girls coloring line? Dude. Because that was it, really like, good. That was a really good line. And it's, it, you're right. It nailed me. Adriana Roy, colorist on this stuff. She is excellent. She has colored more Batman comics than anyone else has worked on ever. Like, like. Oh, no shit. Adriana Roy has done more, more bat work. 
than any other living or dead professional. Like by a huge margin, huge margin. She's coloring like not only is she coloring Batman, but she's coloring Batman detective Robin, uh, any of the a lot of the one shots that were coming out like she's doing like. Jason, I would have to color Batman and Detective Comics basically month in, month out for like the next 40 years to try to like catch up to Adriana Roy. Uh, Anyway. That's she's amazing. phenomenal yeah the color the color the color was great i just like yeah and also so, like that was that that was a really good observation too i'm like when i'm when i'm picturing it in my head now i'm like yeah that whole fight scene like at the cabin was yeah so it's this cabin at night and the ninja has kind of like this, this disciple that is trying to kill bruce has set up these traps where he's like rolling these logs down the hill and bruce is in this bat mask and it's at night Everything is in these blues except for the the sky, which is this like purple, purpley lavender. It's like a light lavender. And I was like, holy shit, this is Paper Girls. <laughs> I yeah, like, I was like, well, I'm, I'm instantly transported. This is <laughs> and it's wild to see like somebody did this in 94 with limited tools. It's just mastercraft stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- and this was definitely like I, I loved like uh, this to me. And, and I think uh, like how they mentioned the spirit. And uh, I think was it the last letters issue of Adventures, uh, like the spirit of like the Frank Miller, like yeah. Batman of like, I'm just trying to tell a solid story. But it, th- this like especially the fight on the highway, I'm like, this is like totally some like Miller daredevil shit. You know, it's like totally oh, man, that, that kind of like because like th- like that that Miller stuff like. Uh, his action back then was like, fuck it. Why not go for it? You know, it's like, it's comic right. books, bunch, bunch of ninjas. Don't overthink it. Let's he's Batman. Let's fight in the middle of a busy highway. Like this will be fun and interesting. It's like, yes, right. it is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was dude, this whole thing, this like Kung Fu movie that we got in these five issues. It was like all of it. I was eating all of it up. Yeah. It I wasn't, loved wasn't, it. Wasn't the title of one of them too many ninjas? And I was like, fuck yeah. yes. Fuck yes. But, Let's go. Yeah. yeah. You, na- you name your story too many ninjas. I'm going to read it at least once. Okay. Like that's a, immediately, immediately. Yeah, like, man. Just, it, these issues, the Bruce Wayne story was just like so good and so solid and so put together that I was just like, I, I, a, I didn't want it to end. And every time we switched back over to Azrael, I was like, oh, we're busting up gun runners again, I guess. So so I do kind of have a theory, though, when I was re- reading these five issues. Sure. I kind of wonder um, that. So how old is Batman as a character at this point? Like 50, 60 years old, right? I think he's be perpetually in the I think he's perpetually in my brain. He's perpetually 45. Oh, no, I just I just mean I don't mean the. I'm sorry. I mean, like the the creation, like Batman, oh. like from first appearance to oh, like the, this when point did, in the when 90s. He made 54, like, I think. So he's probably no, like no, 40 mid-30s years old. Was, 30s? Mid, 30s. Yeah. Mid 30s was Batman, I believe. I'm yeah. looking it up. First, like 35, appearance. 34. 39. OK, yeah. All right. But so but anyway, but like I started thinking, I was like, OK, the people writing this book at the time. A lot of them were probably at least approaching 40, right? Right. If not in their 40s. I think Denny O'Neill was probably, 
in his 50s, at least at this point, and he'd been working at DC for quite a while. So just like right. have to imagine. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like, is this entire fucking thing without the people who are who have been working on it, like an exercise in um, a midlife crisis? You know, because like <laughs> it does, it does feel like that. Bruce, like he doesn't know if he can do it anymore. He's he keeps having this um these moments. I didn't write about this in the in the piece because it's kind of like they keep doing it as kind of a motif through the issues of yeah. he goes he goes to the first place where he dressed as Batman and like jumped off a building and grappled and like. He keeps going up there and being like, not yet. Something's holding me back. I don't know if I can do what I did when I was 20 years old as a, as a 40 year old anymore. I don't I'm not I don't know if I'm that man anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what made me think of it. And then I started thinking, you know, more about it. And I'm like, well, like, yeah, if you <clears throat> if Batman came out at around this time and if you're this sure. age and you've been into comic books, you Batman in in our world is now middle age, just like you are, and you're sort of slipping. And there's this like, and in the '90s too, there's all this like changing of like what superheroes are like, and maybe you're just sort of like kind of fighting against that. And like you clearly hate Azrael and like the sort of like the dark like the superheroes that kill and like and there's this like, can I? And again, I don't know if this was in their heads when they were doing it, but to me, sure. it's like it's like one of, it's like one of those things where fiction can oftentimes tell you a lot more about the artist or about the person writing it than if they just like tried to tell you the truth about something. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, Re- reject I, the the modern gritty superhero. Embrace the Batman that always was. Yeah, yeah. Because like it was, it, it was a pretty good. Um, that must have been a great cliffhanger when like Nightwing was like. Yeah, yeah, Robin. Uh, he just killed a guy, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And and like everyone's like, oh shit! Did 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 Bruce really do it? Because he this, this does he want it this much again? And then you're like, no, 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 he couldn't. And then you're like, yeah, no, no, he could. See, he's still he's still Bruce. You know, yeah, yeah. And he still yeah he still has it, and he's a little older and wiser. Too. And he's, like he even and says it's also it. purposely illustrating. You know, like he's not crossing that line that Asriel. Yeah. You know, like he's yeah. not Asriel. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not willing he's not willing to be he's not willing to give yeah. up and he still he still believes that he can man he can come back. You just like Jason, you mind fucked me. Like <laughs> with with this talk of like of like people creating this as like uh, uh, channeling a midlife crisis for Bruce Wayne as they're having their midlife crisis. And then we're talking about a 30 year old comic book and I'm in my 40s and I'm <laughs> having a midlife crisis as as we're as I'm like struggling to reconnect with the comics of my youth. Jason. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot to think about is all I'm saying. <laughs> time. Time is a flat circle, man. Time oh, is a flat man. circle. You know, <sighs> anyway, I love these issues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, yeah. Between. These issues being very strong, especially the Bruce Wayne versus ninjas in order to like hone his senses stuff like that stuff being so strong. And between that and then the adventures book being a little bit on the weaker side, I was like, eh, the mainline continuity kind of edged it out a little bit this month. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a little bit. And I think, too, like especially with the Bruce Wayne, like ninja stuff, it's it's and I don't know how to describe this 
coming through. I don't know if maybe you might have a better explanation of it being like a comic pro, but like all, all the Bruce Wayne ninja fight stuff, like that whole arc, every fight scene looked like the artists, like every artist working on it. were just having a fucking blast. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like those few times where like, it's like professional athletes, right? It's like, you know, it's like, it's work for them and it's very hard and blah, blah, blah. But like, there are those times where like, if you, if you're a sports fan and you're watching a game where some, someone's just on, you know, it's just right, like, oh, right. they're, they're just having fun. They just happen to be at like a much higher level than me. But in kind of the same way here, it's like, oh, they're actually, it looks like they're just, yeah, having, I, yeah, just a I think ball that with it. Part of what makes it fun from an artist's perspective is that you get a lot of like different interesting characters that like do different things like you never get the same kind of thing twice and they change up the locations if it was like bruce wayne the ninjas are coming after you and it's just like him fighting in a field for five issues like Mm -hmm. or on a rooftop for five issues it would have been a little boring but the fact that we got like bruce wayne running through it through an alleyway like letting them kind of like herd him through this alleyway to like the bigger guy and he knows it and because he's like at the last level of his like training and he's yeah, like yeah. you know he's like on his game and like fighting the big guy and and like knows what he's doing it's like they think they've caught him but he's actually caught them kind of thing like yeah once you st- once you start to like play in that space it can get it can get just so fun and and you yeah. know they got to draw a superhumanly large ninja guy. Like, uh, who doesn't want to do that? And, and and if it won't take you too long, I just I just thought of this. Could you explain, other than like the amount that the that of bat books that the colors has, has done, like that specifically, like the paper girls scene, like especially for the time, like what's what's like technically impressive about that? About like is, so, is that a really difficult thing to pull off? It was. It's not that it was difficult. So. At the time, coloring, we've talked about this before, there's a limited tool set. You were working with colors that were a set palette. So you had like, I believe at the time, increments of either 20 or 25%. So you have cyan, magenta, and yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, for simple terms, blue, red, yellow, and black. And so you could do 25% cyan and like 25% uh magenta and get get like a kind of bluer purpler kind of thing but like you couldn't create any variations between them it was like 25 25 and that was it or if you oh, wanted to okay. get like so you had so you had like a workable palette of like i don't know how many colors that makes but like a very limited number like maybe say like 40 50 i don't know 60 yeah, just w- way colors. less way less yeah. than co- than you're used to when you're professional yeah when and, i color in, in, in photoshop career. i have like a full gradient like anything in the printable like gamut i can yeah. use any fine tuning anything like that i can do but like when they are creating a scene and i noticed this too uh when asriel starts setting things on fire and everything turns like into reds and stuff like, yeah, like, like that bright, really bright and really bright, really heightened. And like mm-hmm. you can tell sometimes when they add like a little bit of um, cyan into the suit, into Batman's suit, when everything's on fire, just a little bit of cyan, probably just 25 percent. Like 
it creates this like purple, but it's still interacting with all the red everywhere. It's like that stuff is the stuff of like brilliant colorists at this time. And that scene in particular being making the gutsy choice of like, I'm just going to do everything in blues and Batman's in this cat mask and the logs are coming down and like everything is in blues. And then you start to like make the, the uh, background like this, this uh, very dull lavender. You've created like a limited palette that looks really great. And you've done it in a way that frames all the action really well. Like we, all the moving pieces on the page like worked really well because the art was working well and then the colors amplified exactly what we needed. Like we don't need to know, see like every rendered splinter of the logs coming down. Instead, we're just watching Batman kind of like be at one with the logs and like be the same color as the logs, like rolling through them with the logs. And it's like that kind of like emotion and thought put into that page makes it like just beautiful. And it's the same kind of stuff that's like echoed in modern coloring now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that really, um, so, so as a colorist back then you had to, it sounds like you had to think a lot more of about contrast and how other colors played off of each other to try to get a similar effect that you might've been able to get if you had a wider range, but you're like, okay, here's the limited palette I have. Here's the kind of scene I want to do. It also makes it like difficult because you want to you want to have that same level of quality and color unity and everything. But like you get a talking head scene. And it's like, well, I can't really I can't really like go for it in this diner. This well lit diner has to like look a certain way. And and if you want that scene where Batman's rolling with the logs to have punch you need to be surround it with other scenes that don't have punch that are pulling their punches. So yeah. it like stands out. And so I, I just Roy is making such strong choices all the way through all of the bat, all of these bat books, these five bat yeah. books that we read, like she is just like knocking it out of the park. Like, Oh yeah, no, it's been, yeah, yeah those have been gorgeous. And that specific scene that you, that, that, that splash page where all right. the, Right. Logs like, you know what? You know what it reminded me of again to bring to to bring up Miller again. It really it immediately made me think of uh, that that cover of the first uh, Wolverine uh, oh. uh, miniseries that he did. Yeah, with yeah, all the, yeah. All the ninjas around him. And he's right. And, and both uh, like all four limbs are kind of like sort of in it, but like yeah, spread yeah, out. Yeah. You know, I and, also like, think that um, kind of looked like that. Too. But it was yeah, it was a great pop it's just such a great pop of a of a scene i also think that what we're seeing too is a lot of these creators were probably watching um kind of the black exploitation and the kung fu movies of the 70s oh yeah you know? yeah and they're yeah, pulling like the hard of from that stuff yeah, yeah yeah they're pulling hard from it yeah yeah so i think that that's also why they're just like loving being in this space you know because yeah, batman's too, not too even ninjas, in this man <laughs> Batman's not even in the suit. It's just ninjas on ninjas. And it like it reads so well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the things that uh, Nolan got right in his first Batman movie where like the first like half of it, like he wasn't in the suit and it was just him writing like different types of of people. And like uh, and and you get a better sense of uh, excitement and danger from it because he's not like 
Like Bruce isn't fighting like just some like purse snatching thug on the street. Right. He's like, he's no, no, fighting these are some competent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Lady Shiva, you saw like how quickly like to Nightwing, like Nightwing, oh, like you yeah. said, Nightwing was like, oh shit, I made a mistake. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, right. wait, no, like these are <laughs> instant, instantly. Yeah. Yeah Nightwing, yeah. Nightwing throws a punch. He's like, he doesn't, at, I guess at this point, he doesn't know who Lady Shiva is, and, yeah. but he's like heard of her. And he's like, so you're the great Lady Shiva. And he throws a punch and she's instantly has him in an arm lock where she's like, can break his arm. And he's like, oh, shit, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and and also like and because I just thought of this, so I hope I won't go t- too deep into it. But, you know, there's like a difference between like like an actual fight between people, like whether it's a boxing match or UFC match, like, you know, pick your combat sport. And then like, you know, fighting in a movie and, you know, Jackie Chan would talk about it all the time of like, well, no, fighting in a movie to do it properly and to make it entertaining, it's more of a dance. And like, there's going to be things that uh, you wouldn't do in an actual fight. And so like Jackie Chan would talk about how like actual fighters that would try to become stunt performers in his movies always had the toughest time because they were trained to like, here's how you actually take someone down. And it's like, no, no, but that doesn't play well on the screen and i think same way when constructing uh that maybe that's why it hits so well like that like you pointed out like they were just really into these like black exploitation and old 70s kung fu movies and those movies are great for that where it's like totally like mostly unrealistic physics but it it works so much better than it is you know or like uh like a more modern movie like the raid it's like yeah of course someone's not going to run up a wall to then do a superman <laughs> punch and you know but it's like you don't want to see an actual fight on screen that's not entertaining you right, know right and, right and uh yeah that's such a great great way to to, to look at that uh, yeah all the all the ninja stuff the action scenes the color like everything was just hit hitting like so so yeah. perfectly these issues know? man they were they were very very good oh yeah yeah, because why? Because why not fucking go for it? I think that should be any comic book, any genre of comic books. If you if you ever want to create one, the few people who listen to this wonderful show that I love doing with my wonderful friend, if you ever want to make a comic book, just always ask yourself, yeah, why the fuck not? It's a comic book. Like, yeah. who's going to stop me? You know, like, right, right. Fuck it. Uh, ninjas. Jason, we need to put ninjas on the set on the shelf for now. Because. Okay. Uh, we got to get into Batman Adventures. All right. All right. Batman Adventures 22, written by Kelly Puckett, pencil by Mike Parbeck, inked by Rick Burchett, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Richard Starkings of Comic Craft, edited by Scott Peterson with an assist from Darren Vincenzo. We start with Batman on the cover in a security control room of a prison. A lot of things on the monitors and Two-Face has Batman at gunpoint flipping his coin. We've got Two-Face now, Jason, which means that we are no longer messing around with Harvey Dent, district attorney that was in like the beginning of season one. And for a little while, I felt like the comics didn't know if, you know, he was going to be Harvey Dent or if he was going to be Two-Face or or what they were doing, because I don't think there was a lot of communication between the like the animators and everybody making the the show versus the people making the comic. I think people making the well, comic were kind of on the fly a little bit. Well, cause those time those timelines are, are way, way different. Cause like, while it does take uh, longer than most people would think to make a single issue of a comic book, it definitely takes way, way longer to make a single episode of an animated show. So it's like, right. You know, like right. that, that shit's planned in like a year in advance. And so if you would have asked 
I'm sure if the comic book team would have asked the showrunners, like, hey, you guys going to do whatever with Two-Face? We're like, I don't fucking know, man. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so at any rate, we finally get our Two-Face book. This is called Good Face, Bad Face. There is there is an act structure for this one. However, there is only two acts rather than three that we're normally used to. I guess after not having any acts in the previous issue, they were like, well, we don't want to overload them. Let's just do two. <laughs> yeah. So or, or, or maybe uh, or maybe Kelly Puckett was like just kind of hoping that like no one would like mind all that much because he's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of trying to think of titles. I have to think of four <laughs> titles, four fucking titles and issues. Screw that. Screw that. Act one is called Harvey doesn't live here anymore. It starts off with uh, Harvey Dent creating a decoy in his bed at Arkham Asylum. The guard comes in with a whistle, sweating bullets, and he's like, come on, Mr. Dent. I know you're awake. If I have to call the guards again, I will. You know, just just me. Yeah. Harvey Dent is hidden behind the door. He slams the door on the guy, knocks him out, puts him in his place. And then uh, takes his security guard uniform. He's busting out Jason. And he sees the Joker trying to try to negotiate a release here. He's like, come on, Harvey. Two heads are better than one. You know that. Like, let's let's get out of here. Let's let's uh, let's go. The two disfigured dudes. Let's tear ass out of here. And uh, Harvey flips his coin and it comes up. No, the the scarred version. And he says, all tosses are final and Joker. And he grabs Joker through the through the slot in the cell, pulls him to the door. And he's like, the name's Two-Face. Love that bit. Love yeah. That bit. And then we have Bruce Wayne listening to, I guess, the personal logs of of Two-Face's psychiatrist talking about how Two-Face's like rehabilitation is going. Um, Harvey is getting pushed like more and more down as big quote unquote, big, bad Harv is getting pushed more and more into oh, the, yeah. the forefront. Yeah. It's uh two faces becoming the like dominant persona over Harvey, but Harvey's still in there fighting. He's still in there. The whole source of the coin flip is Harvey trying to fight for justice in the world. Yeah. For act for actual justice, not the criminal two face justice. Right. And so Bruce is listening to this. He's haggard. He's disheveled. You know, he hasn't slept. He's got that handsome ass five o'clock shadow. Yep. Yep. And he's like every minute that Harvey's on the streets, every criminal act Two-Face commits, it's driving Harvey further, deeper down into his own mind. I have to save him. He's my friend. We get to what, what Harvey's plan is now that he's loose. We cut to Gotham State Penitentiary building character through adversity on the gate. And uh, there's an explosion. The fire department comes in. Harvey's already dressed like one of the fire department uh, firefighters. And he's he's like, you there, take take me to cell block D right now. And he's like, yes, sir. Follow me. He's like, I don't know why you want to be in cell block D. The fire's on the other end and like knocks the dude out. And he's (laughs) busting. He's busting criminals out. He's like top tenant of the uh, O'Reilly family, Jimmy McSorley, Sorley, Sorley. He had a good career. McSorley, McSorley, yeah, McSorley. Yeah, you had a good career, Jimmy. 
took me 10 years to get you behind bars. He's like, this is some kind of joke. I don't know you. He's like, I'm surprised. Don't you remember the face of the man who sent you here? Well, half of it anyway. And he's like, it's you. <laughs> he's like, what do you say? You want to stay in jail or do you want to join a gang? And uh, he's pulling he's pulling dudes out. He's, he's yeah. assembling a crew. I mean, smart. I mean, what what better way to assemble assemble a crew of criminals than to, you know, get the ones that you put away? Right. Exactly. You, you know, where, he's you know, intimately you know familiar with what they're capable of. You know who they are. So he's like busting dudes loose. And Batman's at the back computer trying to piece this all together. He's looking at the list of criminals that Harvey's busted loose. And he's like, I don't think. Harvey's trying to destroy Thorne's operation anymore. I think he wants to take it over. He's like, look at the list, Alfred. It's he's only assembled half a gang. There'll be a second jailbreak and only one other jail in Gotham. And you look at the computer, by the way, and Tim Bruce is on there. Marv, the wolf Manheimer is on there. A nod <laughs> to Bruce Tim and a, a nod to Marv Wolfman. Uh, yep. I, I couldn't. Did you notice any other names? Like ringing any bells? No, I didn't even. I actually didn't even uh, notice the. There, I swear, some of these are other creators. Like Kirk Boy- Boydland sounds familiar. Also, uh, Dalton Caviri uh, sounds familiar to me, but yeah. I wasn't sure exactly. Like Marv the Wolf Manheimer. That's like a knockout home run. Like, I know that's Marv Wolfman, but uh, yeah, and, and Kirk, Tim Bruce, you know, Kirk of course, Boydland? who would Kirk Boydland be? I don't I don't know. Some of the names uh, just geez. seem familiar. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Marv Wolfman and Bruce Tim were the only nods. I don't know, but they might, I tried maybe to look, they were maybe they were show people and not comic people. Most of them. Maybe I tried to look up some of these names and I tried to look up this issue to see if I could find any Easter eggs or whatever, but I, I couldn't find anything. I'm sure that, uh, the DC watchtower is going to send us a message after this episode goes live and let us know. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I still, I still kind of enjoy though, the like idea that like of not knowing, you know, cause it's like, like this was an injury. Like when this was first published, it was just an end joke for like a certain amount of people. Right. You, you, right. you know what I mean? And, and sometimes like, little mysteries like that are like fun because right. that's what that's what's fun about in jokes is that you know, in jokes are are never funny to anybody else you know what you just reminded me of mm. i was uh thinking about i i designed a box for filardi's family's pasta and i keep trying <laughs> to sneak it into every single book that i work on in some capacity <laughs> nice nice i I absolutely love I love that shit so much. It's just Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's the human the human urge, the human urge to say uh I was here, you know. Right, right. We're into Act Two. Jason, do you want to break down Act Two since I did Act One? Act two is titled Nor <laughs> is titled Nor Iron Bars a Cage. And Nor Iron Iron Bars a Cage sounded like it came from where, so when I typed that into the the phone machine in Wikipedia. It brought up that it's from a poem called To Althea from Prison, written by Richard Lovelace in 1642. And it was when he was in prison. And the poem is one of Lovelace's best known works. I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. And it is the poem is one of Lovelace's best known works. And its final stanza's first line Stone walls do not a prison make. 
nor iron bars a cage is often quoted. So, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. A, a, that a that nice, is extremely famous quote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of, of which, but like, cause like it on its own, like phonetically, I was like saying out loud when I was reading this, I was going, nor iron bars a cage, nor iron bars a cage. And then it became like, like nor and iron started melding into one word. I'm like, nor iron, <laughs> nor iron. Hello, my name is Nor Iron. And I'm like, okay, I have to fucking look this up to see where the Sh- hell is. Should have been one of the 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 criminals that Two Face sprung in the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nor shit, Iron, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nor Iron Cage. <laughs> Nor Iron Cage. Holy shit! Holy shit! I have to like, I have to change my name now. God damn. Yeah, yeah. God damn. But so we 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 begin Act Two. Nor Iron bars a cage at Blackgate Prison with uh, a beautiful. Uh, overhead shot of a security room and a prison guard just sort of you know kind of showing this new guy the ropes on the late shift and yeah. like, showing him all this like high-tech stuff and then the lights go out i i really love by the way that he's like eating lunch that is just spread out over the control panel the control panel oh, yeah. being the place that opens the damn door doors to the plate like he's like letting putting down a steel lunchbox on the buttons that set the criminals loose <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know it's fine it's fine, it's he fine. Went to, don't worry about he, it yeah he went real, to school for that or something real homer simpson at work energy going on here <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the the panel is reminiscent of uh homer simpson's in 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 sector 7g of just like a huge panel full of buttons and screens and shit it's it's great it's great and then the the, the lights suddenly go out and we see very quickly that the new guy was actually batman in disguise and i must say i love any time in any batman book whether it's this one or a regular continuity where he's wearing a mask over his mask (laughs) it's just it's just man the the layers like literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. The layers are just are just beautiful. But so anyway, the lights. Yeah, go remember out. remember that one time that Robin wore like four shirts just to prank <laughs> Rachel Ghoul. Very good. It's very that's good. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Batman reveals himself very quickly that he's not he's not some new trainee. He's Batman. He knows that there's some stuff afoot, and yep. he asks like, "What happens typically when the you know the power gets cut?" And there's like he's like, "There's a backup generator." So. Batman gets going. Uh, it's a, and it's con- a secondary, secondary control room. room. And Batman's yes. like secondary because he's yes. hunting Two-Face. Yes, yes. Uh, and he he books it down the hall, calls Gordon, which something I love about the Batman adventure books is that like Batman is so much more um, normalized as being a part of the police department, but kind of not. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like he, he, He's in there while there are literal cops waiting outside, but they're like, well, no, we'll let this person who's not a cop go in there. <laughs> Just let Batman sure. in there. He'll sh- he'll rattle the cage a little. We don't have to get yeah. anybody shot. Like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I do. Uh, I also do want to say I, I can't think of a Two-Face design that will ever top the animated series Two-Face design. Oh, like, it's yeah, just so dude. iconic. It's the best one. Like, yeah. any, any, any style like that is, like, even if it's not the animated style, I still prefer when they try to go for the the uh, animated series style of Two Face. It's just the simplest. I love the big 
contorted uh open face of like the big red lip yep, on the yep. on the like scarred side you know mm-hmm. so batman books it down the hall and we see uh a young guard just tied up and being menaced uh it's kind of a cameo from some okay goons some yeah, okay I, so we get we get a little bit of goon action in this issue i think Not mike paroback a little bit repeated uh one or two goons that he's drawn before i i'm suspecting it seems yeah. like that I don't know. Yeah. But but there yeah. are some good goons. And and I would be remiss to say that Rick Burkick, my God, man, you didn't have to go that hard with the inks because there's some just like beautiful cross hatching in the background and shadows yep. and shit. And it's just like, did, like, was someone forcing you to do all that work? I mean, I appreciate <laughs> it, but holy shit, man, like he went hard on inking these backgrounds. He was like, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, I'm going to add some shit to it, you know? Uh, so down to the secondary control room we go and two faces watching Batman book it there as he expected that he would and mm-hmm. hits a button that lets out all the prisoners. And I, <laughs> as soon as they let out, they're obviously all really excited to go after Batman all at once. And I do love how one arm is popping out from kind of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it has an anchor tattoo. Yeah, yeah. That, that says Saint Neptune, I think. Uh, no, SS, SS I'm Neptune. Sorry, SS Neptune. Yeah, sorry, uh, SS Neptune. Yeah, this which... page is so is so good. Harvey goes onto the intercom and he's like, "Attention, men of Blackgate. My name's Two Face. Remember that. Remember who gave you your best shot ever at the Batman." As he opens all the doors and he Batman is swarmed. It's so good. It is. Yeah, that the action is done really, really well, and so. The, the goons come out, but immediately Batman just throws some tear gas, smacks on a gas mask and, you know, chokes them all out. Yep. Starts T- going makes, to work. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it makes it real quick. Uh, and then the uh, the uh, escapees appear to be caught. But then what do we see? Oh, yeah. This is outside the prison. The police yeah. have like caught up with them trying to hop on a boat in order yep. to get to the mainland. So so Two-Face was like, oh, I'll occupy Batman and then we'll jailbreak everybody I want to jailbreak. Yeah, you know? with, with, a two, with a Two-Face impersonator. And But Batman realizes right away that, oh, that ain't, that ain't Harvey. I know yeah. Harvey because I'm his friend. Right, right. And runs right back to uh, Blackgate and then confronts Harvey slash Two-Face on the roof after Gordon tells him not to do anything stupid because Batman relays to Gordon like, hey, that ain't Harvey, heads back into the fray, uh, confronts Harvey, knocks the gun out of his hand, telling him, I know my friend's still in there and he's still trying to fight. And then picks up, Batman picks up the gun and hands it over to him and tries to make Two-Face shoot him without his coin. He steals his coin from him and he's like, you're going to have to make the choice. And he knows he can't. He knows his friend is still in there and he yeah. collapses to the ground and is and is subdued by having I'm uh, by having his psyche crack open like an egg. Yeah. Which to me is I, always the more brutal of the breakdowns of the beatdowns right. that Batman will like, give. Because like, I think I would much rather have myself physically the shit kicked out of me than like have to have like my entire psyche be like rattled to its core. Batman was basically like 
picking on a mentally ill person <laughs> to win. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it like, was like, dude, come he's on. Like, I, yeah. He's like, I know how you work and, and you can't even pull the trigger without your coin. Do it, coward. You won't do it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. And then he breaks down into a heap and you're just like, oh, my God, Bruce. Like, yeah, like chill like, the fuck dude, out, dude. <laughs> like, dude, like, like you're you're Batman. You know how to disarm a person with a one person. He was with already a gun. disarmed. He gave him back the gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's <laughs> like. It's I'm like, oh, it, it, man. Yeah. Like, wow, that was pretty, pretty brutal. But. It is from the like, apparently like Bruce just like, which got me thinking like that. That was always the storyline, you know, with with uh, Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent slash Two-Face was that like, oh, he's my friend. You know, he's always like talking about that. He's my yeah. friend. And I'm just like, I do like the idea, at least my, my headcanon of it is the reason why Bruce is so devoted to trying to cure Harvey Dent is that he knows he's such an asshole. And Harvey Dent was the only guy that ever really like, liked him like when he was like real you know when he was yeah, like yeah. not trying to be like playboy bruce wayne but when he was just trying to be like regular guy bruce wayne like harvey was yeah. like the only one and so he just really misses the only real friend he ever had yeah i can see that i i think that batman also like recognizes that harvey dent really wanted to help gotham like before he became two-face he's yeah. like he he sees what he sees in Jim Gordon the same way. Like he just recognizes an ally in the fight kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I also like in, in reading this book and he kept on saying, well, Harvey's my, you know, Harvey Dent's my friend. I'm like, yeah, I was, th I was thinking about that scene in tombstone, you know, like near the end where they're like hunting down all the cowboys and there's this scene yeah. at the river and doc holidays, like coughing up blood. And one of the cowboys is like, Doc, you shouldn't even be out here. You Doc, should be in bed. Why, why are you even out here? You be in bed. What the hell are you doing this for, anyway? Wide up is my friend. Hell, I got lots of friends. I don't. <laughs> and, like, it's just yeah. kind of the way I picture, like, like, like Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Just like, why are you doing all this, like, for Harvey? Like, I know he's your friend. But he's like, listen, I'm, I'm kind of a prick. All right. So it's <laughs> like the one person in the universe right, who right. I didn't have some sort of weird fucking relationship with. Who just <laughs> right, like right. who just let me be a bro for a minute. Yeah. Uh you know. Yeah, and then yeah, and then Harvey ends ends up in a straitjacket with uh Bruce keeping Bruce slash Batman keeping the coin uh yep. and ex and explaining to Gordon he's holding on to it for you know, as a memento, he knows he's going to get another one in Arkham, but yeah, know, he's, he just wanted something to remember Harvey by. And like, yeah, because the coin is a representation of like Harvey trying to fight back and create like actual justice. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just it's actually like really, you know, just really sad. It's just a really it sad ending. Pretty sad ending. Yes. You know. Yes. But I did I did like it, though. I did like it. Um, yeah. I just didn't like it as much as uh, as I'm this is as like too a, many ninjas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, also, like as Batman Adventure goes like this is like a minus where I'm like used to an A plus and the sure. regular continuity books just happen to have a really fun too many ninjas. Yeah. Storyline yeah. in it this week. So they, like it was just they like, just happened to stumble into something real good. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but it was still it was still really well done. I mean, again, like Rick Rick Burkick's like man, like those backgrounds. Like yeah, I'm sure. Like and like yes, Mike Perbeck was you know penciling it too, and sure having to do a lot of like the perspective work. But man, that all those all those blacks and cross hatching yep. and like those those are there were such uh, choices. Of- handful of cast shadows that rick taylor were doing that was pretty good too yeah Yeah. everybody uh still doing killer work um i noticed that one of the things richard starkings of comic craft is doing is uh he's adding a little like batman logo to all the acts that is now uh repeating a few times so it's like creating some sort of structure to the whole thing which i think is pretty cool yeah, I really noticed that at the end. I love the little badge, you know, with, with yeah. the, the end. Like, it was just a nice little, like... Yeah, you know he's, he's he's doing all these things as a letterer where he's like, okay, we're going to work on this thing long term. Like, I'm going to make these little design elements that we're going to sprinkle through rather than just trying to reinvent something whole cloth every single issue. He's like, yeah. let's just spend some time, do it right, and make it classic, and then, like, you're good to go. Yeah, and I think that too, like it just made me think of uh of how like, you know, we talk about often how these books are like, you know, harken back to the old adventure books like Tintin and like those old yeah. European like the and Johnny Quest and all, all that kind of stuff. Um and if if and those books back in the day, like you could find them in many different formats and a lot of them like the little badge with the end just made me think of like, you know, like digest formats when it just be like a collection of stories and so the publishers might've wanted to make sure that if I have a collection of adventure stories in this, like, you know, book that I'm trying to sell for 50 cents, like I'm going to yeah. want to let people know when this particular story ends. So like you have a nice right. clear, you know, like the end of it, it just helps. It just helps sell like the, the type of book that they're trying to do. And it's so Absolutely. nice to see, like, as we talk about, like just like the murderers row of people that you have up here uh, as creative team on this book. Of it's just really nice to see them like execute it. You know, it's just it's just yeah. impressive. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Always. Even 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 when it's not like perfect, it's still it's still impressive for sure. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. You want to hit the letters column? Yeah. 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 Interesting letters this week. So the letters column was a single page rather than two pages that it normally is. You said there were interesting letters, Jason. Yeah, uh, I I didn't come away with that. I I kind of uh, I don't know, a little over underwhelmed. This was the uh, Batgirl Robin issue um, from a while back, so it's a lot of yeah. people being like, "More Batgirl, please! More Batgirl, please!" <laughs> One person wrote, "Dear Scott, I have a request." I would like to see Batgirl go scuba diving. She never has. Not in the comics or TV. Batman and Robin have in the comics and on TV. You could have her do it on vacation. She's a natural. That was Danny W. Gill, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's my area. Scott says, a great idea. I'll pass it on to Kelly. We'll just have to wait and see. Thanks. And I'm like, this is a sex thing, isn't it? This is a sex thing. (laughs) There's a very specific kind of pervert. Yeah, and I was like, Wait. that's that's great that they're, you know, they're printing letters from children and they're printing letters from perverts. It's equal opportunity. It's equal time, equal space. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, which, you know, you know what, though, like, uh, I don't 
know who gets hurt by that though. No. no one. So like, so like, okay, fine. You want, you want your, uh, and speaking of enjoying the mystery, I want to enjoy the mystery of that. I don't, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to know why. I, I don't, I, hope I don't need it makes to look up happy. scuba diving. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, yeah. We'll just let, we'll I, just let it sit. I hope it in makes the letters you happy. Column. <laughs> I hope you're doing it with consensual adults, whatever. <laughs> But I enjoy it more if I just make up stories in my head of what the fuck makes you excited about that kind of thing. So what was the letter that that you thought was interesting? The the one where the guy was like talking about how uh, Barbara Gordon in The Killing Joke was actually more uh, a much more interesting character because she has gotten shot and was paralyzed. And do you want to do you want to read that one? Oh, sure. Let me. Uh, Dear Batman. Unlike many Bat fans, as I have seen in these pages, I'm not that much of a Batgirl fan. Perhaps it's because of how hollow her character is. She has a typical background, girl craving excitement, but besides that, she has no real personality. Please don't get me wrong, I'm not a chauvinist. The same premise was used, and a whole lot more style, with a whole lot more style, I might add, with Carrie Kelly. Remember her? She was great. <laughs> she was that great Robin in The Dark Knight Returns. Her enthusiasm was never fully recaptured in any of the of Batman's companions. Eventually, though, the other Batman titles realized something had to be done. The Killing Joke was, and the Killing Joke was born. Why couldn't you use that background? Barbara Gordon as a cripple is a much more interesting person than she ever was as a crime fighter. In number eighteen, a perfectly good story is destroyed by Batgirl being used instead of Batman. Her romance with Robin was even more repulsive. It didn't even come close to the great story and ending found in number eight. And what's with all those ugly shades of purple used on the covers with Batgirl? Enough cuteness. I've grown to expect great things from the Batman adventures, and that's why number 18 was such a disappointment. The Stooge, Chicago, Illinois. And the reply is, well, Stooge, I completely agree with you on a few points, but think you're way off on the rest. I'm not telling you which is which, however. One thing, though, why was her romance disgusting? I thought it was beautiful. If we can't love our fellow crime fighters, who can we love? Who can we love, Jason? Who can we love? Why do you think that was interesting? Be- because it's such a like, <laughs> number one, whenever <laughs> it's just like a general law, I think whenever you say I'm not a blank and then continue to show how you are like, no, you are. Like anytime, no one, no one has ever began a sentence with I'm not racist, but and then said something that was not showing them to be completely fucking racist. Like, that's <laughs> it's, it's just it's it's impossible. It's just impossible because if you have to qualify it, you should stop yourself and go, oh, shit, maybe I am being a little maybe, racist. Oh, maybe sh- I am being a little oh, chauvinist. Shoot. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You, you yeah. Know? Uh, but then it's also the, the it shows the. um how the lack of media literacy in anything hasn't really changed. It hasn't changed with the internet being uh, more open because there are still wide uh, swaths of people who think like this, who think that a character, right? Be, because he's, because this person is like, Oh, well, I, I'm not a chauvinist, but I think this Batgirl who's crippled, this Barbara Gordon is, is far more interesting than the Batgirl who's not. And it's like, well, why, why do you think that like, oh, Barbara's just a girl that just wants excitement and, like, that's not enough for you, that's hollow, but you can accept, like, 
fucking like Tim Drake just being like some 16 year old computer whiz. And that's how he finds out Bruce Wayne is Batman. And that's okay. Right. Right. He just shows up and like, but like Barbara's been around for way longer than Tim Drake and has all had all these other experience, even in terms of like the, the Batman adventures book. It's, it's like, come on, man, people just show up all the fucking time. Like what? Yeah. Why, why does the woman character need to have this much more it's like no because you why are are, why are we like trying to justify her existence within this book and we're not trying to do that with anybody else it's like yeah 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 i I see what you're saying yeah you know and it's like you know it's like the same complaints with like that unfuckable hate nerds make about like you know the newer star wars movies which are bad for other reasons but like they're like oh well like ray was a mary sue and blah 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 yeah 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 yeah. it's like there's yeah man there's a a kernel there's a kernel of that in this letter of like yeah. that same kind of like just negative, hateful bullshit. And no self-reflection on like on why on like, why are you sure? Why is it eliciting this response? Because from a, a, a woman character and not a, a you know, a male, a, a male character you sure. know, it, it's like, why, why does it bother you that much? It's like this. It's like the same bullshit excuse that people give when they're like, oh, well, why'd you have to make like uh, Bobby Drake gay? Like, why can't you just make a new character and, and like have them be gay? It's like, why is it that important to you right, that Bobby right, Drake right, right. remains straight? Like, what? Like, how about we talk about that? Like that to me is actually kind of more interesting and maybe what you should be sure. investigating of like why it bothers you that much in a world where just to continue on the rant with X-Men in a world where uh, Wolverine survived having all the adamantium sucked out of his skin for a few (laughs) years, had bone claws and was still Wolverine somehow. And then also in another convoluted way, got it back. But God for fucking bid somebody who would be of the age to have have hidden or not figured out their homosexuality to realize later on in life that, Hey, uh, you know, they might be right. gay like oh right. no no i can't have that in my constantly like consistent world of comic books no right. i don't hate women so anyway let me talk about how i hate all these women characters okay like, all right all right jason jason yeah. get off the soapbox for a second because i want to get on the soapbox okay sorry sorry i'm taking up all the soapbox time taking up all the soapbox time. <laughs> i uh just wanted to briefly defend batgirl for a hot second i oh, think yeah. that this version of Batgirl is incredibly compelling because he he reduces it to like she's just an uh, excitable woman and that's it. And I'm like, no, dude, she is like out here, like on the ledge with no help, like no Batman, no Robin, no Dick Grayson in her life. Like she's just like, I'm going to put on a costume and do it. And like that to me is like not only like interesting. Because it's like, okay, where is she coming from her mentality to like to like get to this point? But also it's like, I want to see what happens next because she is without a net, you know? Yeah. I think and she makes mistakes once, all the time. And I think that once she starts to be incorporated into Batman training and stuff and becomes more of the character that we see on the animated series, like that version of Batgirl, we see a lot through the history of of Batman and and the show and stuff. But like this version that we have right now for these like couple of issues, I don't know if she appears more 
in the in the next couple of issues. And if I know her, her character will eventually change and and get more experience and more grounded and and training and all that, but like this character that we have now, I feel like is a precious diamond because it's like yeah. a really interesting avenue to tell some really interesting stories about like a crime fighter who associates with Batman who has no help from Batman. And like, how yeah. does that unfold? You know? Yeah. So that, that's it. I just wanted to, I just wanted yeah. to defend Batgirl for like a hot second. Oh yeah. No, no, this is completely valid and, and true defense of it. And also like, and I just thought of too, it's like, man, like I'd want to sit that person down and be like, dude, fucking read the room, man. Like, Right. You, right. You, you know what that I mean? Too. Like, it's, like it's, read. Have you read any of the letters columns? Everyone loves Batgirl. Like, well, not just calm well, not down, just, dude. Well, not just that. It's Batman Adventures. Like, why are you expecting? Right. You know, it's it's like when people like complain about like, I don't know, like they're like, oh, well, superhero movies are only PG-13. It's like, yeah, because they're made for a specific audience, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why, why would you expect Ant-Man to be R-rated and like be super dark? That's not yeah. the Jason, fucking movie Jason, it's meant for. Why didn't they uh, just shoot Ant-Man up Thanos's butt and then have him <laughs> expand and, and ex- explode Thanos? Why didn't they do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, why didn't why didn't Mark Miller write? Uh, <laughs> yes. Why didn't we put Thanos's purple asshole on screen, Jason? That's what everybody wanted. Yeah. For God's sakes. Yeah. How come? How come there's no hard liquor at this Chuck E. Cheese? I'm an adult. <laughs> I, I'm expected to bring my own hard liquor to Chuck E. Cheese like yeah. a fucking animal, Jason. Yeah disgusting i thought we we lived in a society (laughs) oh man real quick though i just want to give give it up to the but to the uh wonderful editor of this book dealing with these two the two cranky Uh, letters that he got by by rewarding them with as being contest winners that month yes i thought was a nice little like hey guys like i'm still trying real hard to be nice to you so here's some art because yeah. I'd get fired real quick if I said what I really wanted to say. So I'm going to give you some well, art and hopefully maybe I also if feel I'm like, nice, you'll think more about. Right. You know. I also feel like Scott Peterson is trying to curate a letter column that isn't just like people sucking up to him for art. Like yeah. he's trying to be like, hey, just send your letters. Just react to the issue and send it in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I do read all of them or most of them and I do. And they're not all right. praising. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. You want the stinger for the next yes. issue? Sting me, baby. Back by popular demand, the deadliest of Batman's femme fatales. Is that sexist? Poison Ivy. And much to the chagrin of both Batman and herself, she's on the side of the angels this time. Toxic Shock by Kelly, Mike, Rick, Rick, and Rich. See you then, Scott Peterson. Oh, man, I'm pumped. I'm looking forward to the Poison Ivy issue. I am too. You want to hit the to-read pile? Yeah, yeah, I do. Jason. Nick. Before I ask you what what you read this week, which I fully intend on doing, Mm -hmm. I need to uh, first just say to anyone listening for a podcast on any of your podcast apps, Spotify, whatever. 
that there is an extended to read pile that is up on my YouTube page. So if you want more of this section full of ums and ahs and us trying to figure things out and just sitting here in silence, seething with contempt for each other, if you want that, you can check out my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Nick Phil. Every Wednesday, there's an extended, unedited version of the podcast of the to read pile. I do, I, I do love the idea of like the, a selling point to to watch the extended version of the two read pile is like you can really see the hatred when they're when they're face to face. Like you can you can really see and like people are like, what? Why have they been? Fr- they said they were friends for like thirty years. What? what wait, they, why are they still? I don't I don't get it. Hey, hey, we we don't either, man. We don't either. But but uh, listen, if you like it, I guess. I mean, I wasn't hugged enough. I don't. I don't know about you, but yeah. Okay, Jason, what have you been reading? I have been reading um, uh, the book uh, "Dogs and Wa- Dogs and Water." Dogs. The book Dogs, Dogs. and Water by <laughs> by uh, Anders Nelson, who uh, is also he's also the cartoonist who did uh, Big Questions, which is one of my favorite books. Like, I kind of want to give a reread of it. Is Big Questions is a thousand pages long, but yeah. uh, Dogs and Water is uh, a bit more uh, is a bit shorter. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, for for those not familiar with uh, Anders Nelson, uh, he uh, does not uh, have panels. Uh, all all of his um, for for those of you uh, watching, all of the book, all the oh yeah, cartoons are usually like this. And what it does, and especially with this story and with like big questions, it it it's a hard thing to pull off. He does it so well, and it really pulls you into this like ethereal sort of. Uh, uh, it even says in a blurb on the back of this book, like sort of sort of dreamlike, and you're not exactly sure what, uh, like where where you are, and it's kind of sure, yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of surreal, and I don't want to get too much into exactly like what the book is like. What it, what I think anyway, it, it's about you know because yeah, one of one of the things that's so beautiful to me about this book and about uh, Anders Anders uh, Nelson's work in general and in making it this kind of non straightforward kind of stories that he tells is that it's it's much easier to to sort of interpret it depending on like what kind of mood you're in or like the point of your life that oh, you're really? in and yeah and so, and, like, so that's, it's almost I kind of like like that it's it's not necessarily like here it is it's straightforward it's kind of shifting sand like approach it however you want to approach it kind of thing yeah yeah that's what i get because i'm and i'm sure that he has an intention himself you know but it's sure. like it's like those like you know, it's like a, a song that you love that like you've loved since you were 25 that like meant something to you when you were 25 and it means something different now. And after just uh, being done reading this, like there's a lot of it that means certain things to me right now in this moment. And sure. it got me thinking of well, what would this have been like to me 10 years ago? What will this be yeah. like to me 10 years from now? And his work, which I encourage anybody to to go get after any anything that he's done he's such a beautiful uh cartoonist and such a he's just like has figured out his voice it seems like pretty pretty early yeah. on and, and it's just really wonderful and sort of devastating sometimes and like a really but a really quiet way you know you ever see like a yeah. quietly dramatic oh, yeah. movie that doesn't have a lot to it but then at the end of it you're like 
I, I feel like I just broke up with my first serious like relationship, you know, like you're just like, <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's, and it's kind of like that. And it, and obviously it, it makes me, it makes me think a lot. It, it being that light sort of on, uh, 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 exposition sort of of like what it's all about, you know, so you get, well, to, I was going to say, so you've been like dancing around this thing. Oh yeah. Can you give us just like, like a piece of what it's about? Like, like how does it even open? It opens with, so uh, essentially what the, what the book is about is you, you follow this, this young person, this young man who's traveling through what seems like an indeterminate sort of wasteland. Like you don't see a lot and all he has is a teddy bear strapped uh, to his back and a backpack. And he keeps on encounter. He encounters like a pack of like dogs. There's like just this random, uh, uh, seemingly random sort of like violent, chaotic world that he's trapped in. And he seems to be running away from something and will slip in and out of dreams hmm. where he's he's uh, feels he's, he's either drowning or. Uh, uh, survived from a shipwreck and you're not exactly sure if it's a dream where he is specifically, but it's this, interesting. Yeah. It's this barren kind of chaotic world. And again, like I could, I could get into sort of how I interpreted it, but I also like kind of want to keep that because like, I don't want to color it for, for anybody else. I'd sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, but, but, but it is, um, but yeah, but that's did, the, the general you like, gist of it. Did you ever read um, Tale of Sand? No, no, I've. Hmm. What you're describing feels to me kind of like a more ethereal, open to interpretation version of Tale of Sand. Like Tale of Sand has definitely a plot to it, but it's loose for sure. Yeah. A lot of it breaks panel borders and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of pages without panel borders and things like that. And, and yeah. one of the things that I came away with, with Taylor sand was the sound of the world hit different than most comic books. Uh, mm. Taylor sand communicates sound in a way that I have never experienced in any other book. And I wonder if that's a product of how they made Taylor sand, or maybe it's a product of just like ethereal nature. When you make a book like this, I'd be interested in checking this out. Yeah, I mean, maybe because I, I do sort of like the, the other thing about like like his other book, Big Questions, is that like it's really heavy, like it's literally heavy because it's over a thousand pages, but also like heavy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, heavy on like deliberate, like like you have like um, birds, like because birds talk in it, like birds like mm. waxing philosophical, you know, about the nature of like life and thought and reality and like all these other things. But sure. It, the the way he presents it and the lack of panel borders and how it it, it just it subtly traps you in like in a good way and right, like suddenly right. like you suddenly look up and it's been an hour and nice. it, it it really controls like this book isn't that thick but it it kind of it it takes you longer than you would think to read it because He's he's really good at at pulling you in and sort of con controlling the pace, you know, yeah. but without without you noticing it. And then all of a sudden, like the time goes by and it's really dug into you, you know, that's and that like, sounds really great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as you can tell, I really I really dug it. But I, I am also like a big, ob obvious gushing fan of uh, and yeah. Anders Anders Nielsen says Anders Nielsen, Dogs and Water, published by Drawn and Quarterly. 
anybody should uh, ch just check out anything he's 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 done. I, I think people would really dig it. It's it's and it's also just such a. I'll say one last thing on it, and then we can sure sure <laughs> allow you to. Talk. Yeah yeah no 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 go go nuts uh, man. This uh, is your but time. Like, <laughs> but I, I I also think that it's really um, what he does with panelists. Uh, the the pan you know no no panel borders is mm -hmm. difficult to pull off. And oh, I also, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, but, and I also really appreciate though, like this just being like, no, this is the style I'm working in. It's like a guitar player being like, yeah, I know I can get different tones if I play something other than a Telecaster, but I love my Telecaster and this is what I'm going to play with. Like, I know I could sure. you know, get an SG yeah, yeah. and get like a, you know, a heavier tone if I wanted, but no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Like it, this is the, kind of late i i know the lane is somewhat limited but i'm really happy within these limits and and he just does it so well and it's to to see such a strong uh singular voice consistently i think is um really is really hard to do especially to keep it like good because sometimes you sure. can just like if you do the same sort of thing you might fall into like Oh, they're just making the same album over and over again. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, man, Dogs and Water, Anders Nielsen. Uh, check them out. That's cool. Yeah. So what what do you what do you got? You got you got more chainsaw men, other no, other no, uh, no uh, more equipment no more, men. No more no more manga. I'm not bringing any manga to this podcast. We're, we're screeching eagle American. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a manga break for a minute. Taking a manga break. I read Catwoman Lonely City. Oh, damn. This is by Cliff Chang. He did everything in it. He, he wrote it, drew it, uh, wrote it, laid it out, penciled it, inked it, colored it and lettered it like he did everything. Show off. And it's 10 years after like a night where Batman dies in like this, this kind of brutal way. And mm -hmm. uh, he, they don't exactly like break it down immediately, but as you go through the book, it follows Catwoman, obviously 10 years later in like a new Gotham that is Batman less. And also there's like mask ordinances and there's these like interconnected, like essentially like jackboot military thugs like who are now the police and they have like kind of a Batman helmet on them. Um, it's a really interesting read about like the nature of protesting and what you should protest as well as like just we were saying before in the regular pod, like, you know, midlife crises and stuff like that. It's like Catwoman not able to do what she used to be able to do, but still like, you know, uh, putting a crew together the whole the whole book kind of hinges around Catwoman's out of prison she's putting a crew together in order to break into the Batcave because even though Batman has passed and everybody knows he's Bruce Wayne they still can't get into the Batcave it's like protected um, oh that's nice yeah yeah so it's like it, there's all these defenses so she's putting she's like trying to train herself and putting together a crew of like old Batman villains and like, so you get to meet all these uh, Batman villains like 10 years after there's no Batman and like what yeah. they're up to. And I don't want to spoil anything cause it's all very good. Jason, it's so good. 
Cliff Chang. I read the thing, right? And I'm like, fuck, this dude's good. Like a singular talent in comic, like a real gem. And then I get to the back. I get to the back and the back dust jacket says. I'll I'll read it to you. I'll read you the first line that made me close the close the book and go, son of a bitch. (laughs) All right. Cliff Chang graduated from Harvard University with a joint degree in English literature and visual studies. Well, shit. Well, shit. Yeah. What I'm saying is right now I'm ready to admit that Cliff Chang is smarter than I am. And (laughs) this book reflects that, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, immediately. It's so good, dude. When when you showed me when you showed me the cover, I was like, oh, shit. Have you not, not? Have you not? Uh, heard of this book before? No, no. And the, and the cover immediately jumped out at me, like not it's, just from it's the... striking Cliff Chang, uh, yeah. of course, of Paper Girls fan, uh, uh, Wonder Woman. He was a DC editor before he was an artist. Like, <laughs> dude. Yeah, dude is I, I I made a joke that Cliff Chang's smarter than me, but he's actually probably smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's like, like it's, it's just it's just very, very good. And And like I said, He's a singular talent in comics. He's like, I, I think he's one of the best people working in comics today. And I think you do yourself a disservice by not picking up a Cliff Chang book. Um, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say is there's a little bit of extras in th- at the end. If you like process because Cliff did everything, it was really interesting to see his process. So he lettered, he, he lettered too. He lettered too. Yeah. No shit. Oh, so God like, damn. Well, fuck. So you like, went, yeah. Sometimes when uh, you say like everything, like it's usually like they handle the story colors, uh, you know, all, all of yeah, the yeah. art and it's, story. It, but then like, ri- this, usually, like we got someone else to letter because at that point you're just tired and you're right. like, you know what? Just. Yeah, right. So this is how he did it. Right. So they break, they break it down to the end of the book. He would he did full script, like no shortcuts, like hammered everything out with an editor just scripts Shit. and All then right. which is which is already kind of like bucking tradition of like you know if you're drawing it you you maybe may make a loose script just so you have like kind of an idea of where you want to go yeah and an then outline kind of, and then and then kind of jump in and kind of figure things out as you're making it no. yeah yeah the whole thing <laughs> was hammered out every single script it's only four issues long they're 50 pages each uh hammered out the whole script and then once that was done he did layouts for everything the whole book and then once that was done he would letter the layouts like he would blow up the layouts and then do final lettering over them basically and then from there once he knew where all the balloons were and everything then he would go in and and like draw it and then once he had like the thing drawn and lettered it was able to like circulate through the dc offices like everybody got to see it and then he would handle each individual scene inking and coloring it so like one whole scene was a complete thought like i'm just doing this one scene and then he would move to the next one and be like that scene's a complete thought yeah yeah so it's inks and colors uh just (sighs) dude and it is i can't stress the insane process (laughs) I can't I can't stress this enough. It is up and down like just an absolute beautiful book, an absolute joy to read. You should pick it up. And Jason, 
here's the here's the thing. You've already picked it up because we use the DC app for, uh, you know, this podcast to read yeah. Batman Adventures and all these bat books from the 90s. So you have the first three issues of Catwoman Lonely City. The fourth one is locked behind Ultra, but it, it, it will unlock soon, probably within a couple of months. If the third one is is there, dude, just read it. It's very, very I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm saving it right now because I, I immediately as, as soon as you flashed uh, the book up. I was immediately uh, compelled by by the cover, like the that, yeah, the, compo- so, the composition there. Just the entire composition yeah. is just so so good. well done, so, and like immediately makes me go like I'm, used, I'm saying immediately so many times. It, it automatically makes me go like that. Looks like it's probably an interesting story, you know, because yeah. it's not it's not like your normal sort of like uh, attend the the way you would grab attention for that kind of book sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it does look like a caper book, which from right. the, the sounds of it, it is. But like it, it just that man, that's the the. it's a, it's and, like it's a caper book, but it's also like talking about like. Gentrification and protest and what happened to Gotham since Batman left Gotham's become yeah. like an almost crimeless utopia because of well, I, I don't want to I don't want to get into it. I don't want to spoil anything, but also. Harvey Dent Two-Face is the mayor, but he's mostly Harvey Dent and he's mostly not Two-Face anymore. Yeah. Which is like kind of interesting to play around yeah. in. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's just, just it's such a killer killer book. Um, well, and just and just the I do love process and I love the like the the cover to that was very clearly like uh, uh <laughs> just meticulously thought out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so which the cover which is a that way I have to work, you know, not the, the cover only that I have, work, but is actually uh, different than like. So this there's two covers to the hardcover, um, one that comic shops got. That's the one that I have. And then there's another one that uh, regular retailers have like Amazon and stuff like that. So if you are seeing this in on YouTube and you're like, that's not the cover I have. It's the same book. Uh, also, the cover unfolds and the back of it is a bunch of character designs for the whole thing uh and like this mega poster yeah it's totally rad jason i I love this fucking i love it i love it when i i think i'm gonna have to buy it physically i think i'm gonna have to buy that version of it as well yeah i absolutely love that cover and I I absolutely love it and listen i know it's hard i know it's still expensive like physically publishing things like I get it. Yeah. But I I love it especially these days when they reward you like extra special cuz like they right. know that yes. too. You know, yes. all, everyone working on that book knows they they know that like it right. that some people might more people might buy it digitally whatever but they're like, "Hey, here's a little extra thank you for uh picking up this physical copy." You know. Yeah, like, yeah. I I thought about just reading it digital because I was like I'm trying not to like collect a lot of stuff if I don't want, you know, like trying to be yeah. more careful with collecting a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. But this same. is this is such a solid gem. I think it it I it came out, I think, last year. It ended up on a lot of like best of the year lists. And I think there's a good reason for that. I think it's it's uh, an actual just gem. 
Like, yeah, absolute glowing review. Ten out of ten. Everyone buy it. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I mean, I think I think you made a sale. I think you made a commission. <laughs> Jason, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at King of Black Acid on Twitter. Uh, also at World's Second Finest on Twitter. That's World's Second with the two. I think I missed promoting our last episode at all. Jason, Jason. <laughs> last week. I, I always, always, every time forget to tell people, hey, if you like the podcast, maybe tell another human being that you know. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. You know, I, look, I forget look, that too. Look, I'm I'm specifically addressing you, the listener, right now. You know a few people. Like, let's not dance around it, okay? Yeah, yeah. Let them just. Let you them know, know a few people. They have ears. You know them. Yeah. Tell them about yeah. the podcast. Yeah, up, upsell us a little bit. Upsell us a little <laughs> bit, you know. And then, and then while you're if doing, if I was it, there can... with you, I would do it myself. But I'm yeah. Not. But he's not. But, but 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 what you can do is you can say that you can find Nick Filardi as well at Nick Phil on Twitter and also on Linktree yeah. at I'm not yeah. forgetting your your Linktree. I think it's at Nick Phil again. It's, it's Nick your, Phil. Yeah, yeah. yeah at, Everything at, is Nick you, Phil you know. except for my Instagram is Nick underscore Filardi. Although my Instagram is like half abandoned, kind of. I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I haven't been on Instagram and this is the thing. They started promoting video. And then I'm like, I don't do any video. And then they're like, the algorithm was like, sucks to be you. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I'm, I'm more and more turning into the, what turned into the, what, what turned into the, uh, the Dr. Manhattan meme, you know, the I, <laughs> oh, grow, yeah. I grow time, just anything to do with social media, even though I still like just kind of out of habit, like less and less, but like flipping through Twitter, I'm just like, and after like maybe like 60 seconds, I'm like, I grow weary of this place and its <laughs> tweets. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I got comic books to read. Screw this. You know, uh, but uh, I, thank I, you. I, thank you for yeah. listening to thank our everyone. ridiculous podcast. Yeah. If you ever, yeah. Again, sincerely, thank you for listening, watching, like, what, whatever. My God, you, you, you're beautiful people for, for putting up <laughs> with, with me. Listen, listen, I have, I have, I have an MLM to sell you. I swear it's not a, it's not a scheme. It's <laughs> oh not a scam. God. Okay. I've put all, all right. my money. Okay. Sorry. What, sorry. The, <laughs> what the listener doesn't know is you just pitched me an MLM for like 45 minutes and I cut yep. all of that out. I cut it all yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you should, but you know what? Got, shooter's going to shoot, man. Shooter's going to shoot.